Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Kingdom seeds. What are kingdom seeds? Well, it's how the kingdom of God operates. It's God's plan. And it's the season that we're in. How many of you are ready to go to the next level in your life? You'll say amen to that. The next level. Uh, well, what does that mean? Well, we, we are coming to the end of, of one of the most dynamic years we've ever had at Calvary. Uh, it just seems like it keeps getting better around here. Can somebody say amen to that? This, has been our, this is our 40th celebration, our 40th year of God planting this church. What a seed God planted 40 years ago. Amen? What a seed he planted. But where do we go from there? Where do we go uh, as we launch, as we step on the... It's, it's like this year has been kind of like an escalator, an elevator. Where, where do we go next? What, what was the biblical parallel of completing a 40-year? A what, what happens next? Well, here we are in Joshua chapter 5. You know the journey of, of, of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. For 40 years, they were there in the wilderness eating manna only. And now here we are, their first meal in the new land, the promised land, the place they've been going. It was their next level for sure. It was their next season. It was their best season. See, I'm not only looking forward to my next season, I'm looking forward to my best season. How many would say amen to that? Yeah, let's go into our best season. How many have faith for that? Amen? Can I hear it? You have faith for that? I want you to say out loud, I'm entering my best season. Yeah, come on, say it again like you mean it. Declare it. I'm entering my best season. I, I love that. It's my best season. Come on. I don't care what the devil's done. The, devil, the devil's done. <laughs> See, so many of you have been focusing what the devil's done. You need to remember the devil is done. He's done. He's been defeated. Come on, say that. The devil's done. He's just done. He's done. It's my best season. But that doesn't just happen because I say it. It happens because I understand how to walk in that. So, so this is, so what did they do? What was the significant difference that immediately happened, that immediately occurred as they stepped from 40 into their best season? Let's look in Joshua 5 and verse 9. Then the Lord said to Joshua, today, come on, somebody say today. Let's stop living for someday and start living today. Every harvest in my next is a result of a seed I plant in my now. Every tomorrow that's good for me is because I did something right today. I'm not just dreaming about tomorrow. I'm sowing for tomorrow. Come on, how many are with me? How many believe it's your best season? You said it. So I better do some good things today. What I do today determines what happens to me tomorrow. Everybody with me on that? I don't believe in the sweet by and by. I believe in the important now and now. Okay, come on. Then the Lord said to Joshua, today, uh, well, I got this in the New Living Translation, so I better pull this out here. Let me whip out my other Bible real quick here. This is my, this is my pocket knife. This is my sword. <laughs> this is my sword. This, this is my buddy. Look, it, look. We've been through some battles. <laughs> don't feel bad for me. Don't buy me another Bible. I don't want one. I'm going to get this recovered. So this is my sword. This is a bad boy. It's a bad boy. It's a bad boy. It's, I mean, we have we say, why does your Bible look like that? We've had some battles. 
We beat the devil over the head a few times with this thing. You, you understand what I'm saying? It's been through the midnight hours. It's walked with me through the valley of the shadow of death. It was on the mountain and the valley like we sang today. And I found in there he is enough. So I, I need to, I'm sorry. I'm just preaching and having a good time today. So Joshua 5 verse 9. Then the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery. I want you to say no more shame. I'm not a slave. Something shifted in my life. So that place has been called Gilgal to this day. It's rolled off of me. It's, it's over. The devil's done. While the Israelites were camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they celebrated Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the four, first month. They had not done that in, in the wilderness wandering. They had been disobedient. They had not remembered how God had brought them out with a mighty hand. So we're not going to forget who we were before we came out of slavery. We've never become, uh, we've never gotten over our salvation. Amen. We're still thankful today. So they celebrated Passover. Then verse 12, no manna appeared. Okay. For, pardon me. Verse 11. The very next day they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land. No manna appeared on the day they first ate from the crops of the land and it was never seen again. There's some things that have gotten you through that you need to let go of. There's some temporary things that just got you there, but they need to go to the back and let's move on to your best season. You can't bring the baggage of the old season into the best season of your life. All right. So from that time on, the Israelites, what did they do? Do you see that from that time on, the Israelites in their best season, how did they eat? They ate from the crops. So what happened? Immediately, they began to understand a principle. God said, you're not a slave anymore. You're not a child anymore. You've grown up. You're an heir now. And I put in your hand seed. And now you will determine what you eat. You don't want manna, then plant some seed. You want a variety, plant some seed. You want to eat like it's your best season, plant some seed. You want to stop eating like a slave, plant some seed. You want to live like a son or a daughter, plant some seed. You want to have an inheritance, plant some seed. All right? Now, Genesis 1.29, I'm just giving a quick recap. We, re we looked at this last week. Seed was the first gift God ever gave the human race. Did you realize that? His first gift. Then God said, I give you. Every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth. Of all the things God could give Adam and Eve first, he gave them the power of seed. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 10. And then we're going to expand where we are today. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 10. This is how the kingdom of God comes to earth. How many want his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is to heaven? How many want to stop waiting for heaven and start having some heaven happen on earth right now? We need to begin to understand the principles that God gives us so that his kingdom comes. 2 Corinthians 9, 10. Now he, God, who supplies what? See, who does he give it to? Who are the sowers? Point to somebody. You're the sower. You're the sower. Do you realize that means everyone has seed. Everyone has something God has invested in you, something he has trusted you with. 
something he's made you a steward with, something he's made you a manager over. Are you with me? Can I tell you something? Every one of you in the kingdom of God are executive level (laughs) administration. Did you hear what I just said? You are an extremely highly trusted steward, manager of the resources of the kingdom of heaven. So now he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your what? Store of seed. God is always looking to bring his kingdom to earth in a greater way. And so if he finds someone that understands his principle of seed and they prove faithful in sowing it, he's going to supply more every single time. It's the parable of the talent. You're faithful with your five, here's five more. Faithful with your three, here's three more. What am I going to do? He said, I'm going to put you over cities. Do you know I believe if the church would become more faithful, God would give us more cities for the kingdom of God. I'm not just talking about personal things. How many hear what I'm saying? I'm not just talking about padding your bank account and getting you a new pair of shoes and buying you a new car and getting a lake home. I'm talking about whole cities having revival and awakening and falling under the glory of Almighty God. I'm not just talking about sowing the seeds of dollars. We're talking about sowing the seed of influence and words and love and kindness and the gospel. Everybody with me here? So he says, I'm going to increase your seed. Man, I love that. He's going to increase what he trusts you with and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11, you'll be made rich in every way. God is not afraid to bless those he can trust. Okay, everybody with me? You'll be made rich in every way, but there's a reason for that. Why? So that you can be generous on every occasion. If you want to increase without generosity, it's not godly. I'm going to say that again. If all your prayers are about me, if everything God does stops with me, if I'm the end line of this supply chain, can I give you some good news? The supply chain of heaven is working real well. (laughs) No political party has the ability to make a decision and disrupt the supply chain of Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And if God is for you, who can be against you? I want you to know today that we are in connection with the supply chain of heaven. And when God sees people who are sowing what he entrusted them with, he says, let's put some more down there. Those guys sowed it. Let's give them some more. They didn't eat it. They didn't bury it. They didn't lose it. They sowed it. Put some more in that thing. Come on. All right. So what happens when we understand that? We're generous on every occasion. And through your generosity, what happens? It results in thanksgiving to God. Now, for these couple of three weeks here, if you're a guest with us, we don't do this every Sunday, but once a year, we, we need to, we, 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 we look at some things that are important to us. We, we look back on what God enabled us to do, and, and, and we look at what he wants us to do next. It's encouraging and powerful to see what's going on. Uh, we talk about kingdom builders. It's, it's our financial response to what the, God called the Great Commission, preach the gospel everywhere. Tell everyone the good news. Start where you are, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Go to the ends of the earth. A church that doesn't have a plan to preach a gospel is a church that's missing the will of God. A church that doesn't love lost people is a church that's become narrow and weak. 
A church that does not have a plan to reach more people more quickly is a church that doesn't believe Jesus is coming again. And so what we're saying is we're going to make a financial commitment to do what Jesus told us to do so that we can be proactive, not reactive, so we can see more happen for the glory of God. It's called Kingdom Builders. It's turned into a movement. How many hear what I'm saying? We're part of a movement that is, that is literally being used by God. I want to show you something that is a blessing resting on you and upon this church specifically because of what we did this past year, these 18 months in Kingdom Builders. Turn to Genesis 26, verse 1. How many, I want to show you something that, that's going to happen, that is happening to you individually and to our church corporately because of the faithfulness of our commitment to God, to the gospel, to our outreach during these last 18 months. How many want to hear what God has lined up for you? And let me show you, and I'll illustrate what he's done. Genesis 26, verse 1. Now, there was a famine in the land. There was a season that looks like that looked like things are going to go bad. We're going to run out. There's not going to be enough. Are you with me? That's what a famine says. Uh, besides the earlier famine of Abraham's time, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Now watch this. In the middle of the famine, Isaac's thinking about heading out. Isaac's thinking about giving up. Isaac says, oh, it's going to get bad. I remember my, my, my daddy had a hard time. Come on, how many with me? How do you believe God can do something for you you didn't do for your father? How many believe God can go beyond what you've seen him do anywhere else? How many believe you don't have to repeat the failures of your family? How many believe the generational curse stops with you? How many believe the sins of the fathers are over with you? And you're going to begin a new legacy. Isaac almost missed something in a famine. He almost fell back on the fail-safe reaction, the knee-jerk reaction of his tradition. But something happened that shifted the trajectory of his future and his family. So, so the Lord said in verse 2, he appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay put, he said. You know what God told us when, when, when uh, the coronavirus blew up and nobody knew what was going to happen? We couldn't go to church, couldn't go to work, couldn't go to school. We were all standing around. What's going to happen next? You know what God said to Calvary? Stay on mission. Stay on mission. First thing he said. So, so what happens? He said, stay in this land for a while. And wh- what's going to happen? I will be with you and I will bless you. My, my. So there's a famine. People are bailing out. The temptation is to give up, you know, dig a hole, hide in there. Just wait till this thing gets over. But Isaac stays put. I want you to look at verse number 12. This, this was, you, you, you don't do this unless you have a word from God. You don't do what Isaac did. It's not naturally sensible unless God spoke something to you. And when there's a famine in the natural, we better obey the supernatural. We better understand how to respond. So what happens? Verse 12. Isaac planted crops in that land in the same year. You don't put seed in the ground in a famine. You don't plant seed when it hasn't rained. You don't put seed down when everybody else is eating their seed. You don't go out in the field and everybody else is hiding in the barn. Unless God said, stay on mission. 
Do what I told you to do. Don't make a deal with Egypt. Don't make a deal with man. Trust in your God. And so Isaac said, I'm going to do what God said. And in the middle of the famine, he planted a crop and reaped a hundredfold. Why? Because he was a great farmer. Because he held his jaw right. Because he had, uh, uh, you know, he, he, you know, did all that other mumbo jumbo stuff people tell you, you gotta no the reason he reaped a hundredfold is because the lord blessed him because god did what he said he would do if we will do what god said so what happened around calvary because of that it's absolutely miraculous let me take you through a couple some things real quickly so what do we do <laughs> In the middle of the famine, come on, put the put this report up. I'm going to go through this quick. Look, look at this. Kingdom builders during these last months, the income, you faithful givers, come on, let's sell it. Gave two hundred sixty-seven thousand fifty-eight dollars. Come on, praise God for that. Above time. I mean, you need to give somebody a high five. Tell somebody you're a bad man. You're a bad woman. Some you you come on. Now here's the truth. See, so I, I, I don't like church. People don't understand kingdom economics. I can tell by their verbiage. Most reports say income. And what does the next line say? Expense. It was an expense. It was seed planted. Come on, somebody understand that. If you don't ever get this, you're never going to get this. It's not income and expense. It's seed and seed planted. He supplied 267. Well, wait a minute. You planted 296. Yep. We gave $29,755 above what came in. And I'm not ashamed of it. Why did you do that? Because some people needed food. Because some seed needed to be planted. Because by faith we did what God told us to do. We went through that year. There were people that had partnered with us, evangelists and missionaries who couldn't have any church services. You know what we did? We sent offerings. We planted seeds. We said, we're going to help you. We gave to other churches and other ministries. Why? Because that's what you do when God says, stay on mission and do what I tell you to do. Okay, let me go on. I'm preaching a, dear God, I'm preaching a report. I'm sorry. So, so, so. So let me show you what happened. Where did that money go? We, we, world and foreign, world and U.S. missions. This is world missions. This list are the individual missionary families that we supported and support. All right? We're not their only support. We're part of a partner team. Alyssa Sohn out of our church, Kairos Global, Indonesia. Joel and Caitlin Rath in Zambia. Carly Moore out of our church. These three. Uh, Bethany Gateways. She's interning on the mission field now. Nelson Lugo. Uh, Panama, Austin Brown, Germany, Chris Duncan, Indonesia, Steve Insminger, Spain, David Grant, Eurasia, primarily India, and Project Rescue, one of the very first human trafficking ministries that ever existed is, is Project Rescue. We're there. Charles Hasselbring, South Africa, Gary Heine, Venezuela, Larry Henderson, Austria, Joel Tillman, Austria, Caleb Hendon, Peru, Cynthia Lucas, Paraguay, Joel Marbet, Ecuador, Seth McDonald, Ecuador, Rick Pasquale, Italy, Joel Temple, France, Susan Ricketts, Japan. Next. All right? Uh, these are organizations, not individuals. Every month, I want you to understand something because of what the Bible says, our first dollars we give to missions is Israel. 
We bless the nation of Israel. We do what God told us to do. We give to outreach and ministries and Christian ministries and feeding people in Israel. We, we, uh, we gave to the Nepal Bible College, the first Christian Bible College in the nation of Nepal. Johnny Brown, who has helped us fam as familiarization ministries. He connects local churches to uh, the mission field. Calcutta Mercy Ministries. I can't tell you who Mark Buntain is, one of the greatest missionaries who ever put on a pair of shoes and preached. And we connect with his ministry in Calcutta, India. How many have heard of Mother Teresa? Mark Buntain uh, ministered to Mother Teresa. Her order of nuns, the nurses, the Sisters of Mercy, staffed the hospital in Calcutta with Mercy Ministries that Mark Buntain built with, with in, the, in, in Calcutta on bamboo scaffolding, carrying up one bucket of concrete at a time, built one of the nicest hospitals in Calcutta. We, we helped that. Speed the light. That's the missions giving for our student ministries at Calvary, Convoy of Hope. With Convoy of Hope, you know, we partnered around the world. We responded to hurricanes, floods, uh, disasters, uh, all over the world, child hope. Uh, we, you know, we built the school and the church in Mexico. We've already begun to invest the money. Our next school, our next project, the guys go in February, Dominican Republic. Come on, is God good? You're touching the world. But we didn't forget about the United States, Chi Alpha. That's our outreach ministries on college campuses. We support missionaries, Craig Woodham. You know, he's out of Calvary. I mentioned his name at Auburn University. Of course, we can't leave University of Alabama out. We're supporting our cow for there. Zach Weldon is right out of Calvary, and he's at Colorado now on campus, full-time ministers ministering to students. Uh, five-star man, we're supporting the Los Angeles Dream Center that birthed our two dream centers here in North Alabama. John Williamson, a sports chaplain. He is uh, uh, building ministries to college and professional athletes. Bill Hines, of course, the foundry. That's the genesis of our recovery ministry. Robert Preston, who is in inner city New Orleans ministry. Virgil Rodriguez, uh, Hispanic ministries, connecting Hispanic culture uh, in the U.S. to what God is doing. Outreach Ministries of Alabama, another local uh, recovery ministry. We're not just looking at our own. We're connected to these ministries we believe are serving. Alabama Church Planting, through our fellowship, the Assemblies of God, we are partners in planting new churches. We partner with the women's ministries in the state of Alabama. Alabama Luke Youth Alive. I'm, I'm hurrying because I want to finish. Ben Russell. Uh, th- these are uh, high school assemblies that happen across the state. Way FM Christian Radio. You know Alan Griffin that's been here. Eddie James, Karen Wheaton. We've invested in their ministries. Our Calvary interns. And then the Decatur Dream Center, the Lawrence County Dream Center, you know, our adopt-a-blocks that are first and third in Decatur, second and fourth in Lawrence County, uh, feeding, encouraging. Pastor Emilio directs our Decatur Dream Center. Pastor Mitch Hallmarks, our Lawrence County uh, campus pastor. We do serve the city. We do our women's recovery. We do Jesus and his friends. And look at this. It's on the bottom. I want you to see. Not included in that title of nearly $300,000 we invested in the famine is $80,000 because we didn't give it. I put it here that we're given to Calvary and our dream centers because we were feeding more people than their other partners. And they said, we will give you these grants. And on top of that, we gave away another $80,000 of food to hungry people. Come on. 
in all of our social media uh, that we do that, that continues to grow and reaches out in, in uh, unbelievable ways. I can just say this because our investment in social media, not only what we're doing here, we've reached over 23,000 people online in this last year because of that. Have mercy. Anybody encouraged by this? <laughs> that doesn't just happen. It, it, it's, it's literally amazing. I, is that the end of everything? I guess it is. Wow. So Calvary, all the salvations, all the healing, all the hope, all the changed lives, the boys and girls in school, the families that are fed, the hope that was given, the Jesus that was preached. You are a force. This is a movement where we're just saying, come on, God, we're locked in and ready. How many can say man to that? Wow, you just, we, we, you become an example. We, we are doing things for God that are almost unprecedented. And, and we did it in a season when it would have been easy to do something else. And so I want to share with you what's happened. We're going to get ready in the next couple of weeks to, to prayerfully look and say, okay, God, you know, how can I be a part of this? I, I, I want to tell you this. Uh, I, I don't have time to go. I need to keep moving. But in 2 Corinthians 8, you can read it this week. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, but he tells them about the church in Macedonia. And he uses the giving of Macedonia to encourage another church because they've become a testimony in their giving. Can I tell you, Calvary, during this last year, because of God's goodness, come on, let's give God all the glory, and your faithfulness, God's beginning to use you as a testimony to churches and pastors. Convoy of Hope, the largest Christian-based relief ministry in the world asked me would I come to one of their pastor's conferences. And they said, Pastor, would you just tell these pastors what God did at Calvary during this last year? And I told them about giving away seven years of food in one year. I told them about empty shelves every two weeks and God provided and God provided and God provided. Pastor Barnett said the only church he ever knew in America, there may be others and it doesn't matter. I hope they're all doing this. But he said the only church he knows in America other than the LA Dream Center that the USDA gives food to to give away was Calvary. I'm going to tell you, God has raised the testimony. Come on, let's give God thanks. Only God. Only God. Only God. Only God. I want to be a part of what God's blessing. What about you? I want to be connected to where the hand of God is blessing. And we're moving in our best season. Come on, somebody. And so, Pastor, what do I do? Well, in, the two, in a couple of weeks here, I'm going to give you a chance. Would you listen? Real quickly, and I'll move on. Because I want to connect some dots here on this seeds. What do I do? How do I give to kingdom builders? Well, let me, let me give you three words. All right? Plan, pray, dream. What's the first thing? Write these down. I want you to begin to do this. You make a plan just like you would anything else. It's a financial commitment to God. And you, you sit down. You get you, the husband and wife or a single person. You sit down and you say, what could I do? What could I do over this next year to be a regular giver of kingdom builders? And you make a plan. You just make a plan. I find out that nothing ever happens if I don't plan for it to happen. All that I'm going to get around to, I never get around to. Why did it get quiet then? You understand what I'm saying? Well, if God does it, no, no, no. Make a plan. Make a plan. What can I do? And, and, and do it. 
But after you make that plan, you're not through. Because then the next step is pray. And so you say, God, this is what I can do. You with me? But then you say, God, what could you do through me? You see the difference in that? First, just sit still, get down with God, get with yourselves and say, what could I do? That's the plan. But you're not through. Because the next thing you do is you pray and say, so God, this is what I could do. But what would happen if you got in this thing with me? Are you with me? That's that goal. You pray. How many are with me right now? Let me tell you what's good about this. It helps us to begin to pray and hear the voice of God. It gives us an opportunity to see what God does when we obey him. It's a great time of spiritual growth. We have so many testimonies. But you're really not through till you take step three. It's where it gets fun. So what's that? what do I do? I, I, I make a plan. God, this is what I can do. And I'm going to do this, Father, as you help me. But then, but what if you wanted to do something in this? What if God got in and you pray, Lord, what can you do through me? That's step two. Third step, don't tell anybody this. If you write it down, put it where you see it. This is what I call the dream step. Okay, what does that mean? I want you to sit there in the presence of God and dream. Okay, what does that mean? God, I'd love to bless hungry people, lost people around the world, locally around the world, and dream. God, have you ever dreamed like, you know, some of you, you know, fake dreams so you can play the lottery. Don't, don't look at each other. What does that mean, fake dream? Well, I know, Lord, if I win the lottery... I'm going to drive up to Tennessee and buy a ticket, and I'll give you some, Lord. Fake. That's fake dream. Okay. Here's a dream. God, what if you bless me beyond anything I could imagine? What can I do for the kingdom of God? You don't have to make a deal with the Tennessee lottery. Come on. Don't look at me like that now. Pray. God. Here's, what could you do through me? But then before you're through, sit down and just say, what if? What if? You remember Pastor Barnett's message on our 40th celebration? What, what did he say? God just what? Oh, oh, yeah. Listen, can I tell you one of the greatest things on this earth is when God surprises you. And you know where I found all my surprises? When I started moving a little bit. I've never been surprised on the couch. I've never been surprised in fear, but I've been surprised when I started walking in faith. Come on, don't, get, don't, don't, don't sit down on me now. See, I said, okay, God. See, see, all of this is theory till we get real, and you guys have been real. I know you are. I'm just saying, well, how do I do this? How do some new guys get on board with us? You, you plan, you pray, you dream. And you say, God, okay, let's do it. Let's lock and load. Let's, let's, let's see this thing happen. Remember... Um, Let's, let's look at this, and, and, and then I want to make one connection here before we go. Re- remember, uh, and, and we still got a little time. We're doing great. Remember uh, in, in uh, Acts chapter 3. Let's go there. Let me show you something in Acts chapter 3. This, this first healing. Watch. This is where miracles begin to break out. How many want to see God do some miracles? Say amen. How many want to be a part of the miracles? Let me hear you say amen. So watch this. You ready? Let, let's watch this. Acts chapter 3 verse 1. So, so I plan, I pray, I dream. Watch for Acts, Acts 3 verse 1. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Can I say one more thing uh, about this kingdom builder miracles God's doing with Calvary? I want you to hear me very clearly. In most churches, I, I'm surprised, we just have never been in this vein. 
they tell me, I don't know about most churches, it's the only church I've ever pastored, that there's four or five big dogs that contribute most of the finances. How many hear what I'm saying? They're kind of the, you know. At Calvary, we've done everything we've ever done with ordinary guys like you and me doing our best. The financial base of this church is not predicated on a few rich people. It's predicated on a lot of people being obedient to God. Do you know how we did? There, there was, in that 267,000, I want you to look me right in the face, there were no large gifts. Didn't happen. You know how we got there? Everybody. Planning, praying, dreaming, and obeying. That's how we got there. And the testimonies have been amazing. So everybody with me on that? I think it's important that we understand that. What each person does makes a big difference. So let's look at this. How do miracles happen? How do we do this thing, this seed? Watch this. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. What happened? Watch this. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now watch this. This is how you become involved in kingdom seeds. This is where miracles happen. Are you with me? So here's the deal. Everyone knew the the man was lame. Everyone could see that. Everyone knew him as the lame man. But Peter knew what God wanted to do about it. Peter saw that he was lame. He wasn't in denial. He could see what was wrong, but he also could see what God was going to do in that situation. Are you with me? So here's the deal. Peter made two statements. This is how miracles happen. This is how kingdom builders happen. This is how thousands of lives are changed. Watch this. He made two statements. This is what he said. There's something I don't have, but there's something I do have. See, to sow seed, you have to understand, God's not asking you for what you don't have. He's asking you for what you do have. In every person's life, listen to me, there's something God gave you that's not for you. Let me try this over here. In every one of our lives, there's something you possess, but it's not for you. Do you understand that? There's something you own, but it's not for you. Peter said, I don't have silver and gold, but I have something. I don't have what you're asking for, but I have this. In every one of our lives, it's important that we understand God's not asking you for what you don't have. He's looking at what you do have. He put a seed in your life. And when you see what God sees, 
When you give what God gave, when you respond in the way God gave you, then miracles start to happen. People become amazed. People begin to praise God. Things that couldn't change, change. Things that were stuck become unstuck. Things that were common become uncommon. Anybody with me? Things that were natural become supernatural. You see, when I give God the seed, what is natural in my hand becomes supernatural in his hand. See, as long as that thing stays with me, I limit it. But the moment I give it to him, the limit comes off of it. The moment you trust him, the limit comes off your faith. The moment you forgive, the limit comes off your healing. The moment you say yes to God, the limit comes off your ability. And the supernatural ability of God begins to rise up in you and flow through you. And what happens? People start becoming amazed because they realized that lady couldn't do that but God did it see God always starts where I am with what I have he supplies the seed and he's always ready to affirm when you recognize that see see Elisha said to the widow ma'am what's in your house that's where we're going to start See what we have to understand When God said Moses I'm calling you And he said I can't do it I'm not enough He said what's in your hand The exciting thing about kingdom seeds Listen to me The seasons belong to God But the seeds belong to us God already planted the seeds in my life If you want your next season Your best season Then how do you get there You do something with what you have right now And it opens the door to everything God's going to do in your life. My goodness, I I like to say it like this. How do I begin to live bigger than myself? How do I begin to live bigger than myself? See, where, where, where do I go? How do I live for the limitations to come off my life? It seems like everything in the natural focuses on what we can't do, what I can't obtain. What I'm limited, why I'm limited. It, it, it you know, it, what happens, it, here's what I have to, let me say it again. How do I live bigger than myself? How do I get beyond me? How do I get over me? See, we, we, we live in a selfy world. We live in a selfy world. Can I, can I help us for a minute? If you want to live your best season, if I live in a selfie world, where it's all about me, where I'm the beginning and the end, can I help? let me tell you something. You're never going to be satisfied because this, I think about all these things we sang today. His love, he's enough, so I'm enough. Did you get that? Or were we just singing? Because he's enough, I'm enough. Because he loves me, I'm loved. Because God accepts me, I'm accepted. If I live my life trying to get everybody around me to, to uh, recognize me, I'm never going to be satisfied. If I live all my life trying to make sure that, that, that everybody, you know, uh, appreciates me. What happened? Well, are y'all still out there? I thought, I, I thought the lights went off or something. I'm never going to be satisfied. You, you understand? If, if it begins and ends with me. If it see me, recognize me, affirm me, appreciate me. Where am I ever going to have enough of that? In fact, let me, let me, this might help you. I just thought I'd throw this in. This is a free scripture here. Proverbs 27, 2. Let me, this, this might help some folks. Go ahead and put it up. 
Let another praise you. <laughs> and not your own mouth. Someone else, not your own lips. What are you saying, Pastor? I don't have to be my own PR guy all the time. <laughs> oh, come on. Work with me a little bit. We, we become such a selfie world that it get, we keep tripping over ourselves. Do you know if the, the Bible says unless a kernel of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it's never going to multiply. It's never going to bear. You know, if we get to the place where we start realizing, I'm not on this earth to eat my seed. I'm on this earth to plant the seed. I'm on this earth to bless those around me. I'm on this earth to be a blessing. My greatest joy, the Bible says, and not what I get is what I give. My greatest level of living is when I stop becoming needy and start meeting the needs that are around me. When I start finding who I am and what I am and what I need is met in Christ, I don't have to have affirmation. My relationships become healthy. My relationships become functional, not dysfunctional. Anybody with me? I'm trying to help us today. I begin to walk and live in a place where I don't have have to live for what you're going to say. I live for what he's already said about me. I live for what he's already made real in me. See, I begin to look at myself not as a person who's empty, but a person who's a storehouse. I have had seed planted in my life, my words, my actions, my loving, my deed. Come on, anybody with me on this thing? It begins to revolutionize how I live. It changes everything. See, listen, the seed for everything God wants to do is already present. Listen, I want to make this statement. I, I, here's where I want to focus as we go. I, I, I want you to see something. So how do I live a God-sized life instead of a me-sized life? How do I live without limits instead of a lot of limits? It's when I realize what I have God gave me. Who I am, God made me. God put me here right now. I begin to realize like Mordecai said to Esther, you're in the kingdom for such a time as this. God put you here right now. God placed you in this place. You begin to live like Joseph. His brothers betrayed him and sold him, made him a slave. And they come back at the end where God's promoted him. And they're afraid he's going to take revenge. But David, Joseph said, you don't have to be afraid of me. And you know what he said? It's in Genesis 50. Am I in the place of God? You know what he said? I'm not God. I don't have to worry. I didn't do this thing. I'm not in a place of God. God did this for the saving of many souls. What the devil tried to destroy you with, God will turn it around and use it for the greatest moments in your life. Give him a black eye. I'll punch him in the other eye too. See, the devil has had enough time. We're going to see God do some great things. Amen. So, so, so let me show you this. Go to Malachi chapter 4 here. I want you to see this. so important. I, listen, I want to make this statement. Malachi chapter 4, by the way, I give you some help. It's the last chapter in the Old Testament, okay? Malachi 4 or 5. I know you knew that, but uh, you read it this week in your devotion, right? Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. Here's the seed I want you to see. Listen to me, church. The seed... For the next revival and awakening in this nation is already in the house right now. How many heard what I just said? The seed for the next awakening in this nation, the revival, the only thing that will right the ship we're sailing on in America right now. The good news is, listen to me, don't start talking doom and gloom. Don't give in and give up. Huh. The seed's in the house. How many hear what I'm saying? The seed's in the house. The, he supplies the seed. Does God want awakening? You better believe he does. Does God want to send a revival? Yes, he does. The seed's in the house. 
We sow it. He gives it. The seeds in the house. Pastor, what in the world are you looking at in Malachi chapter 4? Look at verse 5. The day of the Lord. That's what this chapter is about. See, not only Jesus coming for us, we need Jesus to come to us right now. Y'all, you're with me? We need him to come to us right now. And so Malachi 4, here's the promise. When one covenant was ending, and they're looking forward to the coming of Jesus, the presence of Jesus. He says, I will send you this prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. Now look at this. What happens? What's the seed that brings the next revival? Everybody with me? He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers or else I'll come and strike the land with a curse. Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying the thing that will usher in the next awakening and revival is how we plant the seeds of the kingdom right now. What are you referring to? I'm talking about the hearts of the fathers, the hearts of the leaders, the hearts of the mature, the hearts of those who've seen what God has done need to be turned to the hearts of the young and the naive. I'm telling you that what we see here is that this next generation is going to have to have some spiritual parents if the revival is going to be everything God wants it to be. I'm telling you right now that the church of America better snap out of some of the things the enemy's been doing and the lies of division that have been kind of treat their ways into the church. And I'm telling you, we better get above politics. We better get above racism. We better get above division. We better stop trying to judge and weigh each other by our race, our ethnicity, our political party, listen to me, and our generational differences. And we'd better begin to understand that we have an opportunity now to plant some kingdom seeds that will usher in the presence of Jesus and rattle this nation. Everybody with me? There's a divisive spirit in this nation. You know there is. That wants to get in the church. And it's not going to come in this church. It's not going to prevail in this church. If you want to pledge yourself to politics, this is not the house. If you want to judge people, it's not the house. If you want to condemn people, it's not the house. If you want to hate people, it's not the house. If you want to judge people, it's not this house. We're going to plant seeds. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to believe for a revival. We're going to have an awakening. We're going to do it according to the word of God. Listen to me. You're not, we're not going to judge you. You can wear a mask or don't wear a mask. You can get vaccinated or not get vaccinated. We're never going to have somebody at that door and tell anybody they can't come in here and worship God. If you want to come worship, come worship. I'm going to get on thin ice. I hear it cracking right now. I'm on thin ice and there's a fire underneath it. But I'm going to tell you something, Calvary family. You've been tithing and you've been pledging to kingdom builders. And we've been sending the gospel around this earth to every continent and every time zone. Rescuing, feeding, preaching, delivering, seeing God come. And I'm going to tell you something. If somebody tries to take your job away from you because you have a conviction that will not line up with their mandate, my God is still Jehovah Jireh. And he's going to make a way for you. He's going to provide for you. You've got to do what you think is right. 
before God. And I say the devil is a liar. Let every man be a liar. My God will supply all your needs in Christ Jesus. You just watch him. You've been praying jobs and better jobs. The devil is going to lose this thing in the name of Jesus. I prophesy over you. You lose a job, he'll give you another job. He'll give you a better job. He's going to take care of you. The devil's tried to do too much. He's about to lose this thing. We're, we're going to see what God does right now. Somebody's got to say it. you got to hear it. I'm praying with you. I'm standing with you. We're going to see the goodness of God. I want you to see this thing. So the seed's here. Why am I confident? Because we've been sowing seed. Somebody said, well, they said before Jesus comes back in the last days, it'd take a piece of, uh, a bag of gold to buy a piece of bread. Well, we're going to own the bakery then. <laughs> we need some generational seed sown. What did that say? The hearts of the father turns to the children. The hearts of the children turn to the Father. Listen, church, whose heart turned first? Fathers. 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 We've got to raise some spiritual parents if we're going to bring some spiritual children into the kingdom of God. See, see, how do you have revival? How do you awaken these things? See, if, if, if we don't have this generational seed, if we don't have this generational connection, the church becomes weak at that moment. The enemy has opened. We, we, listen, you must stop looking at your children and grandchildren as your fruit and see them as your seed. Are you with me? They're a seed. They're the seed of the revival. We have to treat them like that, honor them like that, understand that. See, seed is the only thing with future embedded in it. Seed is the only thing with future embedded in it. Look at Exodus 20, 12. So we, we run right past some things. Look at, this, look at this scripture. Watch this. It says, honor your father and your mother. We better get the generations together in the church. Amen. Come on, come on. We better get them together. Starts with the fathers. Honor your father and mother. Watch this. So that you may what? We just say live long. He said live long where? In the land. Oh, we missed that. You live long where? In the land. The land, not a land. Where's the land? The land's the promised land. The lands that we read about in Joshua 5 to start today. The land's the land where I've stopped living like a slave and a child. And I start sowing seed and growing up and living like an heir. I'm going to tell you, if we'll begin to honor and, and, and plant and connect and do what God wants us to do, we're going to live in the land. We're going to inherit the promise. We're going to see the best season of our life. The, the, the victory is in the seed. The future is in the seed. We live in the land because we connected on every single level. Are you with me right now? See, why do we need to do this? Because God's doing things so big. Listen to me. <laughs> the completion of any God-sized dream requires more than one generation. The proof that we're dreaming God's dreams that is bigger than any of us in this room right now. It's going to last longer than any of us in this house right now. 
If my dream's not bigger than me, it's not a God-sized dream. Come anybody with me. You know what we need to do in the church? We must learn to dream again. We must learn to have vision again. You know what the enemy wants to do during this time? Beat us down where our mentality becomes survival. Our mentality comes, just help me make it through the night. Our mentality comes, it's, it's, it's never going to be like it was before. That, that ever been out of your mouth? Don't raise your hand. Our, 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 our mentality begins to come. You know what? I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like, uh, Isaac. <laughs> I'm going to plant in the time of the famine. I'm going to be like Peter. I don't have this, but I got this. I'm going to give you what I have. I'm going to dream again. I'm going to believe again. My family will be blessed. I'm going to serve God. The church is going to have revival. My children are going to go to college. My debts are going to be paid off. I'm going to raise up a godly generation. My sons and daughters are going to prophesy. They're going to preach the gospel. They're going to take it further than we've ever gone. I say, until Jesus comes back, every generation that follows us will stand on the shoulders of what we've done and do greater things than we did. Why? Because we're planting a seed. See, Moses got them in, or got them out, (laughs) but Joshua had to get them in. See, if the, if the dream's not bigger than you, it, if it doesn't take another generation, it's not God. Elijah followed Elisha. And Elisha says, I'm about to go, bro. I'm about to be taken up. I'm going. And he says, I, oh, don't leave me. He said, I'm going. He says, what do you want? But Elijah was a, got to give the dude some credit. He said, I want twice the anointing. And Elisha said, say what? Uh, I'm, yeah, Elisha wants that from Elijah. Elijah said, you want what, son? He said, I want twice what you have. He said, well, you better see me when I go. He said, I'll do it. He got the double portion. What is it that we have that this next generation is desperate to have? What do we carry that's so powerful? That a young generation doesn't say, I'm staying away. They said, I, you can't get me away. What could be happening in the body of Christ in the church of the Lord Jesus? Where instead of people fussing and cussing over millennials and Gen Z and Gen X. And all, what, what if, what's something so dynamic that, that you can't sit down? They sat down underneath you. They, before you could sit down, they're in your chair. Why? Because you have something that they desperately want. You have something so real and genuine. They say, whatever I have to do, I'm going to get some of that. Whatever I have to do, I'm going to bring this in. I want you to stand with me. Come on, I want our worship team to come. We're going to pray something really important right now. We're going to pray something very, very important. I want to pray with you right now. We're going to raise up a generation that will finish what we started. How many hear what I'm saying? (laughs) I want to plant some, listen, I'm willing to plant the seed of a tree whose shade I will never sit under. How many heard what I just said? I'm willing to plant some trees whose shade I will never sit under, but somebody's going to sit under it. Somebody's going to grow from this seed. Somebody's going to jump up and grab God. Somebody's going to have an anointing. Are you with me? Somebody is going to get a double portion. Anybody with me right now? How many want your children to love God more than you've ever loved God? 
I want them to surpass me. How many want your children to say, I'm going to serve the God of my Father? I'm going to serve Almighty God. I'm going to be faithful. I want to declare with you, your children will serve the Lord. They will prophesy in the name of Jesus. They will lead. I decree a revival and an awakening in this nation. And I'm not giving up on you and I having it right now, but they just may be the catalyst that sparks this thing. I want you to make this commitment with me and God, to God right now. I want you to recognize, Father God... I'm a seed. I'm a seed. I'm willing to plant myself in you. I'm willing to trust you with my life. I'm willing for you to become my identity and my security. I'm willing for you to become my future and my legacy. I'm a seed. I'm willing to to take everything I thought I had to do and I'm willing to be like that kernel of wheat and fall in the ground. Die to my plans and my goals. Because I believe yours are better. I'm a seed, God. I want to be planted. I, I, want, you to, I want you to understand. I'm asking who would say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to be a seed. I, I'm, I'm willing to say, here's my life. I, uh, I want to be part of an awakening. I want my family to come in the kingdom. I want to see the kingdom of God come. Father, I, I'm here today. I want to be a seed. There's one other person. Come on. This is too important to worry about what people say or think. Listen to me. It's your day. There are people in this room and you're online with me right now. I I sense that strongly. Listen. Seeds have been planted in your life. Your mother, your grandmother, are you listening to me? Your father. Someone in your life. Listen, they put a seed in your life. Listen to me. It's dormant right now because you haven't given it to God. You've been running. You've been bargaining. It's okay. We've all been there. Have we all been there before? We've all been there. We understand. But I I sense the Holy Spirit saying, these dormant seeds, it's time to surrender today. It's time to surrender. You're living, but you're not in your best season. You're, You're living at your level. And you're so afraid. Are you listening to me today? I want you to surrender that to God. That seed, I'm calling it out today. I'm calling it forth today. I'm saying, come on, give yourself to God. Give yourself to God today. I want every head bowed with me for a moment. Today you say, Pastor, I'm here. That seed's in my life. <laughs> it's dormant because I haven't surrendered it to God. But today, I'm surrendering my heart to Jesus. I've been bargaining. I've been holding back. I'm not a bad person. Nobody's calling you anything. But you know you haven't given your life to him. And online and in this room, if you say, today's my day, Pastor, the seed comes. Would you raise your hand right where you are and say, it's my day to surrender. I've got to surrender. I've got to surrender. Time to surrender. Time to surrender. Who else? I've got to surrender. I've got to let this seed. It's time. I can't hold it back anymore. Would you just be bold enough to start something that I believe could be a seed of an awakening? Would you just walk out from where you are and stand here in the front? We're going to pray with you. You don't have to face anybody. You can face the front. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.